Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Future paleontologist. Hope your day is going well. Hope everybody is feeling good. Excited to learn about a new dinosaur today. I'm Dinosaur George, and it's so nice to be spending my time with you. I know a lot of you listen as you're going to bed at night. So if you do, good night. Sleep tight. Don't let the dinosaurs bite. And a lot of you listen while you're getting ready for school or on the way to school. So good morning to you if this is when you're listening. And for everyone out there, thank you for joining my podcast. We now have 151,000 downloads of this podcast and we are listened to in 112 countries worldwide. So thank you all so very much for helping this become a successful podcast it is really, um, it's really growing so quickly and I'm just absolutely thrilled about it. I'm just, I'm just absolutely thrilled about fast, how fast this thing is growing. All right. A couple of shout outs. I got to start off with this first one goes to my little buddy, Jackson. Jackson flew in all the way from Atlanta. He, his mom and dad flew to San Antonio for some free time And Jackson came down and came all the way out to my museum just to introduce himself. They landed and went straight from the airport straight to my museum. It was so nice meeting you, Jackson, and your mom and your dad. And I hope you guys enjoyed your trip. And I hope you liked meeting me as well. One thing about Jackson that surprised me, he tried to convince me that a zebra was called a skunk horse just because it's black and white. I can't believe he tried to trick me. All right. I, I have to be honest. I tried to trick him. Jackson knew so much about animals. I kept trying to trick him by misnaming things to see if he'd catch it. And he corrected me on every one. I came up with the idea of a zebra being called a skunk horse. But anyway, Jackson, It was so nice to meet you and your parents. I hope you enjoyed it. And by the way, uh, if you guys go to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, you can see a picture of Jackson. He helped me hold up the Spinosaurus, which was like crazy cool. I'm surprised that thing didn't eat you, Jackson. Anyway, next time I see you, I'll make sure that you get eaten by a Spinosaurus. And also, I have a very special greeting. Now, this is early, but I wasn't sure if I'm going to be able to in, uh, to record another podcast between now and the 25th of October because one of my other uh, Patreon club members, by the way, Jackson is a Patreon club member, one of my other Patreon club members, Madalena Soros, what a great name, 
Maddie's birthday is October 25th. But I wanted to make absolutely sure, Maddie, that I wished you a happy birthday. And I hope you are listening to this podcast when you're out on an adventure for your birthday. If you hear it early, hey, happy birthday to you. I just wanted to give you a special shout out, Maddie, and say thank you, both you and Jackson, for being members of the Patreon Club. All right, let's get into... It's time for our Feature Creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your Feature Creature. As you guys heard, this Feature Creature was suggested uh, by one of our um uh club members i i'm uh, i'm sorry one of our uh, members from the facebook group so albertosaurus amazing dinosaur you know when we think of big carnivores when we think about meat eating dinosaurs we all immediately think of tyrannosaurus rex most of us do but there were a bunch of other really large carnivores living throughout the world, both in the Jurassic and the Cretaceous period. Albertosaurus is one of those relatively large, not as big as Tyrannosaurus rex, but this is still a big dude, and it was the top predator of its time. The name Albertosaurus means Alberta lizard, and it was named for where the first one was discovered, which was in Alberta, Canada. This animal measures between 8 and 10 meters. That's about 26 to 33 feet long and probably weighed somewhere around three tons. This is big. Now, pieces or fossils of this dinosaur, or at least some pieces that they believe would belong to this dinosaur, have been found all the way from Canada, all the way down the Western North America, all the way down into Mexico. We find them here in Texas. Now, the reason why I say might have been Sometimes all you find of a dinosaur is maybe one or two bones. And it's not enough to be able to know with 100% certainty who that bone belongs to. So what paleontologists do is they look at the bone and they compare it to other bones that have been found. And that helps them figure out at least the family that it's from. You know, when you look at a dinosaur skeleton and you look at all the bones, they all kind of look like the same thing, right? They all look the same. The only difference is how many fingers, how big their arms were in their head. But that's not true. There are a lot of differences that paleontologists see when they study the bones because they're looking at the bones very closely. And so let's say we find a complete Albertosaurus skeleton from tip of his nose to his tail. All right. Every single bone is cataloged. What that means is there is a place where paleontologists can go to either see a picture or a scan of that bone, or in some cases, they get to go see the real bone. Well, that helps them. It kind of is like a guidebook. Now, let's say you are with me and we're here in Texas and we're digging and we find an arm bone. We don't know who it belongs to. Well, we know that the formation it comes from 
is the late Cretaceous. So then we say, okay, who lived in the late Cretaceous that has either been found in Texas or around Texas? So let's start looking. We start looking through all the pictures of all the bones and all the information. And surprise, surprise, one bone matches ours very closely. So then we can say, aha, I believe this is either Albertosaurus or it is a very close relative of Albertosaurus. But because we don't find any other bones, there's no way to say for sure. Now, sometimes the bones are identical. And then paleontologists will go, yep, this bone is from an Albertosaurus. I know who this is. But that's not always the case. So when I tell you that their fossils have been found from all the way up to in Canada, all the way down Western North America, all the way down into Mexico, it's certainly possible that that's the range of this dinosaur. But it also could be possible that there was a different dinosaur very closely related to Albertosaurus living at the same time, just in a different place. But my guess is probably Albertosaurus was a very successful dinosaur, so I would expect that it would have a wide range of areas. I told you it lived in the late Cretaceous. That's 71 to 68 million years ago. It's not really living with Tyrannosaurus rex until the very end. So of its time, this dinosaur is certainly one of the top predators. He's very closely related to Tyrannosaurus. In fact, it is a Tyrannosaurus, so it comes from the same family. It's just a smaller, earlier version of Tyrannosaurus rex. This dinosaur is a biped. What does biped mean? Okay, I know a lot of you just yelled it walks on two legs. Good for you. I'm very proud of you. I know you knew that. And it is a carnivore. What does a carnivore eat? Yes, carnivores eat candy. So that... Wait a minute. What did I just say? Okay, I take that back. You know what carnivores eat. Carnivores eat meat. So this is a dinosaur that walks on two legs that eats meat. Lived in the late Cretaceous. And it's big. Very big compared to you and I. First Albertosaurus was discovered in 1884, and it is one of the most well-known members of the Tyrannosaur family. Tyrannosaurs were kind of rare. There's a reason why. Nature has a balance. If there are too many big predators, they would literally eat everything and there would be nothing left and life would not exist. So the bigger and the more effective a predator is, the fewer of them you will see. Let me give you an example. Let's look at the ocean. If you went swimming in the ocean, chances are you might see hundreds of sharks. Let's say you spend a week in a submarine. You might see hundreds of sharks, but you might only see one great white shark. You'll see hammerheads, you'll see tiger sharks, you'll see makos, you'll see black tip reef sharks, you'll see gray sharks, you'll see all of them, but you'll only once in a while see a great white. Why? Because if there was too many great white sharks, they would literally eat everything, including all the other sharks. So nature has a way to balance it. 
And that means that they have fewer babies. Or it means that when they are babies, other predators target them to try to get rid of them so they don't grow up. Well, that's the same thing with tyrannosaurs. If you and I had a time machine and we went back in time, let's say we go to Canada and we're there uh, 69 million years ago. We might see thousands of dinosaurs, but maybe only out of a thousand, we might only see, I don't know, 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 Albertosaurus. We might see thousands of duckbills, thousands of ankylosaurs, hundreds and hundreds of armored dinosaurs, but we wouldn't see that many Albertosaurus. That dinosaur was the top of the food chain of its time. Now, I just told you that it's the best known member of the Tyrannosaur family. Why is it the best known member? Because in one place, in one site, they found 26 specimens. 26 Albertosaurus all died together at the same area. That included a little two-year-old all the way up to full-grown adults. So the question was, what? were all of those dinosaurs doing in the same area? Some people thought, oh, I know what it is. It was probably a lake where during a drought, the water would shrink down. Plant eaters would walk out into the mud to get to the water and get stuck. And predators show up. We call that a predator trap. That's a location where it traps the predators while they're trying to eat the plant eater that was trapped. So a predator trap is a word used. And really, when you say predator trap, really what you should say is dinosaur trap or animal trap. Because the plant eaters come in and get stuck. Then the meat eaters show up to eat them and they get stuck as well. But there's a reason why scientists do not believe that these 26 um, Albertosauruses were trapped in the mud when they were there to eat other dinosaurs. Why don't they think that? Because they didn't find a single other species of dinosaur there. Only Albertosaurus. They're not there to eat each other. So that would suggest that maybe they came together. Maybe they came together during like a mating season. Maybe they lived together in big groups. We don't know. We don't know. But what we do know is that 26 Albertosauruses were found together. And that is why we know, or why I always say we. When I say the word we, I don't mean myself as someone who is digging these up. I say we, meaning people who study them. So, we find all these dinosaurs together. Because they found so many, scientists are able to have all the information they can about them. They can see the different sizes, they can estimate how quickly they grew. They can est- Maybe they can figure out which one is the male and which one is the female. That's hard to do, by the way, when all you're looking at is a skeleton. So this dinosaur, Albertosaurus, is a very well-known dinosaur. Now, you remember how in other episodes I've told you that, diff- that some dinosaurs can have the same first name, but they can have a different last name because they're sort of different from each other. If you've ever been around cows, 
not all cows look the same, but they all belong to the same family. So there are different species of um, different species of Albertosauruses. Some people believe that a dinosaur named Gorgosaurus is actually an Albertosaurus. So if you ever read that, I'm only telling you that not to confuse you, but I'm only telling you that because sometimes when you, um, sometimes when you read certain books or certain information, they might say Gorgosaurus and Albertosaurus are the same dinosaur. That's because they found this dinosaur that they named Gorgosaurus, but looking more closely at it, it really sort of looked like an Albertosaurus. Well, actually, you know what? I don't know which one was found first. I think Albertosaurus was found first and Gorgosaurus was found later, I believe. But anyway, they look so similar that some people said Gorgosaurus shouldn't have been given a name Gorgosaurus. It should have been called Albertosaurus because that's what it looked like. But other paleontologists say, no, these dinosaurs are very different from each other. So Gorgosaurus and Albertosaurus may or may not be the same animal. I've got the skull of a Gorgosaurus and I've got the skull of, a, of an Albertosaurus. They don't look anything alike to me. They look way different from each other. I believe Gorgosaurus is a cousin of Albertosaurus, but I be, believe Albertosaurus is not Gorgosaurus. But whatever the case, they look very similar, but they're still, they all belong to the Tyrannosaur family. Gorgosaurus, Albertosaurus, Tyrannosaurus, they're all members of that family. One thing that Albertosaurus shares with Tyrannosaurus rex is the short arms and the two little fingers. They Now, there's a, there's a kind of little third digit on Albertosaurus. I used to have a replica arm of that thing, and it had a little tiny third digit on their little finger. And that would suggest that their earliest ancestors had three fingers, but they, their fingers were kind of becoming smaller and going away. So Albertosaurus looks a lot like a Tyrannosaurus rex, but they're two distinctly different species. Now, certainly the thing about Albertosaurus that I really feel very strongly about, I've read a lot of things that, that they say Albertosaurus was a scavenger, meaning it mostly fed upon things that died. Whenever I hear someone claim that any Tyrannosaur or any big carnivore was mostly a scavenger, I completely disagree with that. And here's why. There's not enough animals who are just dropping dead in the same area for a big meat eater to be able to find enough food to survive. A big meat eater is like an engine, a car engine. It has to be fueled up. You and I have an engine in us. Our body is an engine. We have to fill it up. Now, you don't want to fill it with gas, obviously, but by eating food, that fuels our engine. Dinosaurs are not slow-moving, cold-blooded reptiles. These animals, are very, they're reptilian, but they are not slow-moving, and they're not cold-blooded, where I think they stood out in the sun for 10 hours a day, hoping to get warm enough to be able to move. These animals are a machine. Albertosaurus needs to move. Therefore, it needs to find food. So if you are an animal 
that only scavenges or that's mostly how you eat? The only true scavengers like that are little, which means they don't need as much food, or they fly like vultures. Flying allows you to travel thousands of miles with hardly using any energy. You're drifting on the the thermals, the heat rising from the ground. So you can travel all day looking for something that died. But if you're walking and you're the size of Albertosaurus, how, how many animals just fall over dead every day? You, you're not going to be able to. You'd have to walk your entire life hoping that you find something that's dead. If you do, you could certainly eat it. You're not going to pass it up. But whenever I hear somebody lay claim to animals as big as tyrannosaurs and they say these animals mostly are scavengers, that's complete. In my opinion, that has no scientific basis. We look at animals living today that help us understand animals from the past. Looking at footprints, looking at all the evidence taken from dinosaurs, these things are quick moving. They're fast. Why are you fast? If you can't refuel your engine, you can't go anywhere. And if all you're doing is running around hoping to find something dead. And on top of that, it depends on which way the wind is blowing. Let's say that there is a dead dinosaur um, 500 feet away from you. But if the wind is blowing the scent away from you, you have no idea it's there. It's not moving. You can't hear it. You don't see it because it's not moving. You don't know it's there. You can't smell it because the wind is carrying away the scent. You wouldn't have any idea that it's there. You would walk right past it and not know. Well, this dinosaur can't rely on that kind of luck. The other thing, why I say this is an active hunter is because of its teeth. Its teeth, like other tyrannosaurs, lean backwards. They lean towards the back of the jaw. They do that so that when it bites something, it cannot get away. If all you eat is dead stuff, you don't have to worry about getting up, coming back to life and running away from you. Why would you want teeth that hold something if what you're biting is not trying to struggle and get away? Now, would Albertosaurus scavenge? Absolutely. Something else it would do? Steal food from smaller carnivores. Absolutely it would do that. Let a smaller one go out there and make a kill and then go chase him away. Be a bully. But you're too big to hope, to hope that you find enough food within walking distance before your engine runs out of fuel. And lastly, here's why I do not believe they are scavengers. I believe scavenging is the last thing they would do. When an animal dies the meat of its body begins to decompose. That means that the quality of the meat is not as good. When you kill an animal and you eat it, your body gets a lot of energy from that. But when you find an animal that's been dead for two or three or four or five days, that body begins to rot. And the quality of the food is not as good. Therefore, even if you find a dead dinosaur and you eat it, the food, it would be like if you and I ate a piece of paper. 
If we do, by the way, we'll get sick, so don't try that. But I'm just using that as an example. If we ate paper, we could eat it, but we would become incredibly sick because our body wouldn't get anything out of it. There's no nutrition in paper. So dinosaurs like Albertosaurus needed to kill fresh prey. So I believe they are absolutely primarily hunters and maybe they scavenged when the opportunity arose. Well, they definitely would scavenge when the opportunity arose. I'll give you a perfect example of that. Back when I used to host Jurassic Fight Club on the History Channel. And if any of you want to watch that show, it was a fun show. It was called Jurassic Fight Club. And I co-created and I wrote it and I hosted it. It was a lot of fun. This is back in 2007. So one of the episodes we did was about this group of pachyrhinosauruses, which had drowned in a river and their bodies floated downstream and got stuck kind of like a log jam. And then they found all kinds of Albertosaurus teeth all around where they had been feeding off of those Pachyrhinosaurus. Certainly, absolutely, they're going to take advantage of that. That's like a giant buffet table. They just got to walk along and eat their favorite parts. So certainly they would scavenge. But I believe that would be the last thing they would want to do. So why do I think that these animals are are quick moving? Well, it's because of their legs. Some paleontologists have suggested that Albertosaurus may have been one of the fastest big carnivores that ever lived, maybe running as fast as 40 miles per hour. That's fast. Listen, that's super fast. That's faster than you and I could ever run. So they're fast. They hunted in packs. I believe they hunted in packs. And that would allow them to take on a variety of different prey. The fact that they found, the fact that they found 26 specimens together means these are successful dinosaurs. And the fact that they're found all over the place means they're very successful. That means they could catch and eat a lot of different prey. I think they were probably focusing on hadrosaurs, the duckbills. That's why I think they were fast. I think they were fast because they are chasing hadrosaurs. Why hadrosaurs? Because they don't have the weapons to fight back. They certainly could take on things like Styracosaurus and Pachyrhinosaurus. Were they alive with Styracosaurus? I think they were. Anyway, Pachyrhinosaurus. They could certainly take those on, but that comes with a lot of risk. If you're taking on the horned dinosaurs or the armored ones like Edmontonia, the ankylosaurs or the nodosaurs, you got to be super careful around those guys. So I believe their focus was hadrosaurs. That's what I believe they were focusing their attention on. And that's who I think was their number one prey. Finally, it, it, um, Albertosaurus is living with Despletosaurus, who is a big Heavy, heavier than Albertosaurus. Despletosaurus, I think, is more specialized in hunting the horned dinosaurs. Albertosaurus, I believe, was specialized in hunting the hadrosaurs, the duckbills. Nature can sometimes, animals can survive by dividing up the food and not competing for the exact same thing. That's how nature works. If Every predator ate the exact same thing. They would all be fighting each other for that animal. But if you all have different animals that you prey on, 
it allows for a lot more carnivores to exist. So that's Albertosaurus. If you would like to um, suggest a, a dinosaur for an upcoming podcast, you can certainly do it through the Dinosaur George Facebook group. If you are not members of the Facebook, the Dinosaur George Kids, let me say that again, Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. Not Dinosaur George. That's my page too, but I don't use that for the kids. Dinosaur George Kids is the page where I want you. And and when I say kids, it doesn't mean it's only for young people. There's a lot of adults who are on that page. A lot of adults follow that page and they interact with me all the time. In fact, for Patreon, I have a lot of adults on Patreon Club. They love dinosaurs. They enjoy learning about dinosaurs. So if you would like to send in your pictures or your art or your suggestions or your questions, go to the Dinosaur George Kids Patreon Club and become a member. It's free. If you would like to be able to talk to me directly, then you can become a Patreon member. Patreon members, we meet. uh, I have live lessons through Zoom where you get to join and you get to see me live, not in person, but live. And you get to learn a bunch of different topics and you get to ask all kinds of questions. So if you would like to become a Patreon member, here's some information for you. And when we come back, I'm going to answer some Ask Dinosaur George questions. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right. Um, These questions, priority goes to my club members. They're the ones whose questions are priority. So let's start with the first one. This is Nico, who was a new member. Nico says, I would like to know if Sarcosuchus could swim fast enough to catch fish. And also, why does T-Rex have such tiny arms? Well, let's start with Sarcosuchus. It's not really designed to chase fish actively under the water, I don't think. That animal is really large. And unless it's chasing a very big, large, slow fish, I don't think, Nico, that it's really made for that. I believe, I believe that this giant animal, this giant crocodilian is better suited for ambushing, meaning it probably focused more attention on catching animals that are walking out into the water to drink. If it is in a spot where it can catch fish, it probably just sat there with its mouth open And anything that swam by, it could slam it shut. So I don't think now with that big tail, listen, that animal is pretty fast, but I don't think he's fast enough to chase something like a fish. Remember earlier, I was talking about how a body is like an engine and you have to refuel the engine. Now, the benefit 
of Sarcosuchus is that it is a cold-blooded reptile, meaning it does not need as much food. But it still can't waste energy chasing something little because even if it catches it, it used more energy than the fish would give it if it ate it. Remember, the fish is like filling up your gas tank. If the fish isn't big enough, he's not going to chase it. Because even if that would be like, Nico, imagine if you had to chase a chicken nugget in your backyard for four hours. You're chasing this chicken nugget. Don't ask me how it's alive. It just is in my scenario. So this chicken nugget is running all over the backyard. and You're chasing it, chasing it for four hours. You're chasing it. And you finally catch it. Think of all the energy you burned up and all you have to show for it is one stinking chicken nugget. Well, you eat it, but you're like, I'm still hungry. Well, that's kind of the same thing with Sarcosuchus. It's not going to chase fish because it would burn too much energy. But I do think it's going to eat turtles. It's going to eat other crocodilians. It's going to eat a fish if a fish swims by. But I don't think it's really made for chasing them necessarily. As for your question, why does T-Rex have such tiny arms? Animals that don't use certain parts of their body, those parts usually slowly go away. It doesn't use its hands to catch its food. It uses its mouth to catch its food. And because it only walks on its back legs, its arms are getting smaller and smaller. Each generation, the arms are becoming smaller. It's great, 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 great grandparents' arms were a little bit longer. And when that T-Rex dies and it has great, 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 great grandchildren, their arms are going to be a little shorter because they kept getting smaller and smaller. If T-Rexes hadn't been wiped out at the end of the Cretaceous period, I believe we would have ultimately seen a T-Rex with no arms whatsoever. They would have gone completely away. So they were little because they weren't used. Okay, Luca, who is also a new member. Luca says, I have a question. What do you think a Tyrannosaurus sounded like? Whoa, it's a great question. So much debate about the sounds of dinosaurs. Some people believe they just made a low gurgling noise. Some people think they may have chirped. We don't know. Nobody knows. Because the part of the body that makes those sounds are in the throat. And sometimes they are soft tissue. Like our vocal cords. Now, dinosaurs don't have vocal cords like us. They can't talk like you and I. But they still make sounds. What did they sound like? Maybe like an alligator? Maybe a chicken? Can you imagine? You come around a corner and there's a giant T-Rex and it looks at you and goes, All right, that was embarrassing. You should be ashamed of yourself for having a voice like that. But we don't know, Luca, I don't know. I do believe that they probably made a low rumbling noise. And the reason for that is lower sound travels farther than high sound. And so for a Tyrannosaur, remember how I said Tyrannosaurs are rare? Remember how I said there's not very many of them? So you have to be able to make a sound that can travel a great distance if you're trying to attract a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Or scare somebody else away. 
So they needed a voice that traveled over long distance and low sounds when you when you go to a professional sporting event. You almost always hear the announcer. It's a man with a deep voice. Why is his voice so deep? Why do they only use men? It's not because men know more. It's not because men uh, are better announcers or smarter. It's not the case at all. It's simply because a low voice travels farther and is easier to understand at a distance. So they use a low voice person because it's easier for people to hear them. So in my opinion, Tyrannosaurus Rex would have had a low voice to be able to communicate over a great distance. All right, Judah and Hank, uh, my little buddies who I met in uh, New Jersey last month. Uh, These are also uh, members of the Patreon Club. Judah was wondering how old velociraptors could live to be, and Hank wants to know which dinosaur made the biggest farts. Uh, Which dinosaur made the biggest farts? (laughs) All right. Let's start let's start with Judah's question. My guess is probably oh, hang on a second. I gotta adjust my microphone. Hang on. Probably the one that uh, probably they live to I would suggest probably twelve, maybe eleven or twelve years old, Judah. Probably lived to be about eleven or twelve. And Hank, which one made the biggest farts? That would be the sauropods. They are the biggest animals. They ate a lot of plants. Plants give you gas. It would have been kaboom. <laughs> All right. Uh, Raptor or Heathoraptor. Heathoraptor, one of my members, says, hello, Dinosaur George. What does Pterodostro eat? It has such weird teeth. Thank you in advance. Heathoraptor, brilliant question. For those of you that don't know, Pterodostro is a member of the pterosaur family that happens to have these little, we call them filaments, like baleen, like in whales. These little comb brush looking things, it would open its mouth, sort of like a flamingo, would open its mouth, the water would get squeezed out, but little tiny things would get trapped in those little hairs in its mouth. And that's how it ate. So what it probably ate, Heathoraptor, was probably little tiny shrimp-looking animal, animals that that um, uh, sort of like krill, um, little tiny plankton, phytoplankton, little tiny things that float in the water that you can't see with your eye but are there. They're a filter feeder, so they're probably eating a variety of different tiny little things. Great question. Okay, uh, Vion. From Pennsylvania, did dinosaurs have friends? Yes, Vion. Dinosaurs, now they weren't necessarily friends like you and I have a friend. Instead, what they were was either family members or they could even be strangers. But living in a family group helps you better protect yourself. There's more of you. You can take on a predator. You can have more eyes watching for danger. So, yes, I think they would have had friends, family members that maybe stayed with them all the time. 
So yeah, you know what? Friends is a perfectly good answer. Of course, that's a good answer. I grew up in our family. We raised cows and some cows like to stand around with other cows. They're friends. They were always together. So you know what? Yeah, I think dinosaurs would have had the same. Thank you, Vion. And thank you for being a member of the club. All right. Member Merritt, who is age seven from Portland, Oregon. Did fruit exist during dinosaur times and did they eat it? Yes and yes. Very good question, Merritt. Very good question. Yes, there were some fruiting plants at the end of the age of dinosaurs, and I have no doubt dinosaurs ate them. And probably they helped spread the seeds. That, by the way, everyone, is why there's fruit. Fruit is not there for you and I. Fruit is made for the plant. Because inside of the fruit, there are seeds. And an animal eats the fruit swallows the seeds, walks away, goes potty, and the seed comes out and gets planted. So fruit was designed as a way for plants to spread without, if they just drop their their seeds right next to the main tree, they're not spreading out. That doesn't do them any good. They want to, they want to be spread. So fruit, see humans, we're bad fruit eaters because we spit out the seed. We have to, we can't swallow some seeds. Some seeds make us sick, but other animals swallow the seed and the seed goes through their system. It doesn't dissolve and it comes out the other end. And when it comes out the other end, when the dinosaur, the animal goes poo, the seed is in the poo, which is fertilizer. So not only do they carry the fruit away, but they also plant it for the plant. So yes, there was some fruit towards the end of the Cretaceous. And absolutely, I think dinosaurs ate it. All right. These are members Annabelle, age six, and Lachlan, age three, from Warwickshire, England. Warwickshire, England. I butchered that at first. I'm sorry, my England friends. How long do dinosaurs sleep at night? What an interesting question. What a great question. It's an excellent question. Every animal needs a different amount of sleep in their life. Every animal needs a different amount. Some animals uh, needed a lot of sleep. Other animals didn't need very much at all. So there's no way to know for sure. But I believe that like a lot of other animals, they don't always sleep at night. Cows are awake during much of the night. Horses are awake during a lot of the night. They take naps during the day. Because when you're completely asleep in the dark, it's easier for predators to come up and catch you. And so I think these animals kind of sort of took little naps all day long instead of just a one long sleep like you and I. You and I, at the end of the day, we lay down and we go to sleep and we sleep through the night and then we get up the next morning and we're ready to go. I don't think dinosaurs did that. I think unless they could burrow underground where they were safe, I think they probably slept both during the day and at night, but a little bit at a time so they could always keep out for danger. Good question. Thanks for being members, you guys. And then Daniel, age eight from Arizona. Hi, what was the first dinosaur to walk the earth? Daniel, good question. This is a, this is a very good question too. There's a, there, there, it's always been Eoraptor. Eoraptor is always recognized as one of the first member, of, one of the first real dinosaurs, Eoraptor. But 
a new discovery a couple of years ago of, I think it's Nyasaurus, 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 that's it, right? Nyasaurus? I can't remember its name. But some paleontologists believe that was the first dinosaur, but I know there's some debate. I need to brush up on it and figure out for sure. Um, uh, But I think, I do believe that uh, Eoraptor remains the most, uh, the, the one that's recognized as one of the first, if not the first dinosaur. All right, Sasha from the United Kingdom. Hi, Dinosaur George. I am 10 years old and my sister is totally obsessed with dinosaurs. Listening to your podcast a lot, and I mean a lot, makes me start to like them. My question is, where did dire wolves live? Is there a certain climate that they would live in? Well, first of all, I'm so glad, Sasha, that you are listening to my podcast, and I hope you are enjoying it. And I'm glad that you're starting to like, that you're starting to like dinosaurs. That's really cool. I'm glad to hear that. Okay, dire wolves lived all over the place. These animals lived, they had a huge range, which means they could live in a variety of different environments. They could live where it was cold. They could live where it was hot. Think about this. There are coyotes. That's a dog animal, just so that you know, in case you don't have them over in England or in the United Kingdom. There are dog, there are relatives of wolves here called coyotes. These that live in where I live, I live in Texas. They live in the southern part of Texas. Then there are coyotes that live way up north where it gets colder. They're both the same animal. Only one has a much thicker hair to keep it warmer. So I believe dire wolves would have had the same thing. Depending on where they live, that would have determined how thick their hair was. And they would have been able to live in a variety of different climates, hot, cold, you name it, they could do it. All right. I'm going to take a short break. And when I come back, I am going to go on to the dinosaur George. Or you know what? Uh, this one, ah, I'm not going to have time. I may not have time to go to the dinosaur George kids Facebook group. I may not have time for that, for this particular podcast, because I've got so many questions I wanted to answer that I didn't do on the previous podcast. So I think we're going to jump right into the who would wins And then after the Who Would Wins, I have an interview with a Patreon Club member. So I'm going to go straight to the one, the only, the moment so many of you love. Who Would Win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who Would Win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops. You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right, here we go. This is from Levi Raptor in Michigan. And again, everybody who sends in a who would win is a Tyrannosaurus member of the Patreon Club. That's the benefit for being to being in the best in the in the biggest club. The top club is you get to be uh, you get to ask your who would win. So here we go, Levi Raptor in Michigan. Who would win? A mated pair of T Rex versus a mated pair of Triceratops versus a mated pair of Therizinosaurus. Well, 
mated Triceratops probably would not be that much of an advantage because really, if they're ever going to get into a fight, it's probably going to be with a rival and the female and the males probably wouldn't fight together against a rival, like a male that's trying to take over the herd. So I don't think there would be a lot of advantage to the Triceratops. I don't think, I think they could certainly defend themselves, but I don't think it would give them an advantage. Same with mated Paratherazinosauruses. I don't think that they would work as a tag team to be able to bring something down or defend themselves because they not, plant-eating dinosaurs don't get attacked every single day. So they don't practice defensive weapons as much or defensive maneuvers as much. Carnivores have to fight almost every single day. Carnivores have to be good. A mated pair of T-Rex, meaning that they stay together all the time, if that's what we mean, they're going to know how to work together to kill their prey. And so one is going to be a distraction. The other is going to sneak up from behind. There's a variety of different ways that they could do this. But I believe that it would be very difficult for anything, anything to beat a mated pair of T-Rexes. So I'm going to give this fight to T-Rex. All right. Dinosaur boy, age five from Sydney, Australia. T-Rex versus Indominus Rex. Love this battle. I'm always going to choose Tyrannosaurus Rex, and let me tell you why. Indominus Rex was born in a test tube. Indominus Rex would not have all the knowledge of its ancestors. It doesn't have anything to learn from. Nobody can teach it how to hunt. It has to figure it out on its own. And so Tyrannosaurus Rex, he's out there hunting. He knows what he's doing, or she, it knows what it's doing. So in my opinion, now, if they were both raised in a test tube in a lab, then Indominus is probably going to win because Indominus is bigger, longer arms, therefore more weapons. But if you're talking about a wild Tyrannosaurus Rex versus a, a created Indominus Rex, Rex wins every time. Okay, um, this is from uh, Sheena's son. I don't know... Your name, but I know it. Sheena wrote it in for you. El Stinko versus Brachiosaurus. All right, now hang on just a minute. Who is El Stinko? If you mean me, you stinking kid. If you are calling me El Stinko just because I have the ultimate stink bombs, who's going to win? El Stinko wins every time. Because even though Brachiosaurus's head is way high up, my underarm stink is so powerful, it can still get it. I am the winner. <laughs> All right. Uh, Minosaurus Rex. Hi, DG. I have a who would win. One Velociraptor versus two Archaeopteryx versus three Allosauruses. Oh, Minosaurus Rex, you know who's going to win this battle. You know who's going to win. Velociraptor takes out two Archaeopteryx. Even against two, one against two, it can still take them. It can still take them. But against Allosaurus, Allosaurus is going to take on everything. 
all comers, at least in this battle. Allosaurus is the winner. It's a good question, though. All right, Jameson wants to know T-Rex versus Allosaurus. All right, what a ripoff. Allosaurus is my favorite dinosaur. I was so happy because he just won in a Minosaurus Rexus fight. Then Jameson comes along and puts my beloved Allosaurus against Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like there's any chance that I'm going to win against that. Ugh, what a rip. Even though I love Allosaurus, and even though it's faster, one bite from a T-Rex and the, and the fight is over. Allosaurus could bite a T-Rex a couple of times, but it's not going to do the same amount of damage. I would give this one to, unfortunately, to Tyrannosaurus Rex. All right, six-year-old Ben wants to know, Yangchuanosaurus versus Acrocanthosaurus. Whoa, do I like this battle. Whoa, ho, 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 ho. Yangchuanosaurus is the relative in Asia of Allosaurus. And Acrocanthosaurus is a brute. Acro's got the size. Acro's got the weight. Acro's got the weapon. Yangchuanosaurus's only advantage is speed. I believe Acrocanthosaurus is just too massive to survive. Ben, as much as I like Yangchuanosaurus because it's related to my favorite Allosaurus, I'm going to give this battle to Acrocanthosaurus. All right, this is from Devon Raptor. My who would win is T-Rex versus Spinosaurus versus Carnotaurus. Thank you. You're welcome, Devon Raptor. All right, Carnotaurus, he's out of the battle in three seconds. He's just, he's just overwhelmed. There's nothing, just no way. He just can't survive. But that leaves T-Rex and Spinosaurus. I keep going back and forth between these two. Who do I think would win? One minute, I think T-Rex would absolutely easily wipe him out. And then I look at the skull of my Spinosaurus in my museum and I'm like, dude, that thing's got some massively long teeth. But I'm still going to believe that Tyrannosaurus is going to be the winner in this battle, Devin Raptor. Good battle. Nicely done. Cade wrote to me and said, I'm writing a book and don't know how to finish it. I would like to know who would win between an Ankylosaurus and a Triceratops. Cade, I'm glad to hear you're writing a book. Here's my opinion. Triceratops's horns are amazingly long. If Triceratops can run its horns in between the flesh on the side and that upper armored back, Triceratops could do tremendous damage. It probably was faster than Ankylosaurus. It could spin quicker. It could get around quicker. I believe if these two animals were fighting to the death, Cade, I believe that Triceratops would soundly win this battle. All right, here's second to the last. This is from Gregorio, who is four years old. That lives in New York City. T-Rex versus a giant Therizinosaurus. Oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. A giant Therizinosaurus with with those immensely long arms and super long claws. I think it could hold a T-Rex back. I think a Tyrannosaurus Rex is going to think twice about attacking this guy. T-Rex is going to be in big trouble if it tries to come in and fight a Therizinosaurus, especially a giant one. Gregorio, I am going to say that in my opinion, Tyrannosaurus Rex is not going to stand a chance. It's going to be slashed too many times and it's going to become very weak. I would give this fight to a giant 
Therizinosaurus. And finally, Hudson. Here's my who would win. Dinosaur George with a pack of Indoraptors versus two Indominus Rex. Why are you putting me in this fight, Hudson? Why are you putting me in this fight? Don't you know I just wasted most of my stink bomb fighting a Brachiosaurus? You know how much stink bomb I had to throw to get high enough to wipe out a Brachiosaurus? I don't have any stink left. And nobody better call me El Stinko because I'm not El Stinko. (laughs) Hudson, if I have a pack of Indoraptors and we're fighting two Indominus Rex, as much as I wish we would win this battle, you're not going to take on. Now, it depends on how many are in your pack. If there's five, then we're going to win. Four, 50-50 tie. Three, we're going to get wiped out. So Indominus Rex, especially two of them, are simply too massive, in my opinion, to be able for me to defend myself. All right. One of the benefits, if you become a Patreon Club member, you get your name gets entered into this wheel and we spin it every time we do our lessons during the month. And if it lands on your name, you get to be interviewed. So let's take a listen to one of our winners for the uh, yet to be a Tyrannosaurus member. Let's listen to a T-Rex member. How would you like to be interviewed on a future podcast episode? Well, now you can. Become a Tyrannosaurus member of our Patreon club, and you might be chosen for an interview with Dinosaur George. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com to join the club. And now, let's meet a Tyrannosaurus Club member. All right, the winner on our last drawing for interview landed on Aminosaurus. Amina, how are you doing? Good. Good. So how old are you, Amina? Five. No way. No way. You're 12. You sure you're only five? You seem pretty smart for being only five years old. Okay, well, if you say so, but I think you're 12. But if you say five, who am I to judge, right? (laughs) Where do you you live, Amina? What what state do you guys live in? Oregon. In Oregon. You know, I went to Oregon and I dug up some fossils in Oregon. So I've gone fossil hunting there. The next time I come, I'll pick up you and your family and we'll go fossil hunting. Does that sound like a good plan? Yes. Okay, but I'm going to let you drive. So you're in charge of driving. Do you know how to drive a car yet? No. What do you mean no? You're supposed to be you're supposed to be my driver, Amina. How am I supposed no. to drive? <laughs> well, then why did I hire a 12-year-old to drive for me if you're not going to drive for me? Well, that's right. You're 5. Okay. That's fine then. Well, I guess I won't let you drive, which is probably good for all of us. So, um how what what grade are you in in school? Uh, kindergarten. Kinder. Do you like school? I homeschool. Oh, homeschool. Listen, I work with a lot of homeschool families. So do you get to take off for the summer or do you guys learn year round? Hmm? Yeah. 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 
All year. All year, yeah. Most homeschool families do. Like you take vacations and stuff like that, but you don't stop learning for three months or so. So that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Do you have any brothers or sisters? Yes. Do you have, let me see, you got 15 brothers and 13 sisters, right? No. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just taking a guess. One brother. Is your brother older or younger than you? Younger. Good. Do you take care of him? Yeah. That's what a sister does. My older sister still watches out for me, and that's what you will do for your brother, I know. What about pets? Have you got any pets? No. Like, do you have an elephant living in your backyard? No. Do you have a chicken walking through your house right now? No. Do you have a gorilla living in your bedroom? No. Well, why don't you have any pets, kid? (laughs) Those are wild animals. (laughs) Well, I know. I was going to say, if you have a pet gorilla in your bedroom, I'm going to be scared. That's kind of a spooky thing. Okay. (laughs) Well, I have toy pets. Oh, toy pets are the best. What toy pet do you have? I I have dinosaurs. Oh, greatest pets in the world. Greatest pets in the world. So how old were you when you started liking dinosaurs, Amina? Um, I was three. Wow. And do you have a favorite kind of dinosaur? T-Rex and Spinosaurus. Whoa. Why do you like those dinosaurs? I like uh, T-Rex because it's the king of the dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Spinosaurus is because of the sail. Oh, that's cool. I like that sail, too. What do you think that sail was for? Do you know? No. Yeah, it's a hard guess. It's a it's a hard guess. Um, I, I've always kind of thought that it's used probably to help it warm up, you know, to capture the rays of the sun. Have you ever heard of a solar panel? Do you know what a solar panel is? No. A solar panel is sort of a machine that captures the sun and turns it into energy. And that's kind of what I think the sail on the back of Spinosaurus did was capture the sunlight and he warmed up with it. And the reason why is there were no stores that sold a coat big enough for Spinosaurus. So he couldn't put on a coat right when he was cold. (laughs) because it'll break because of his sail oh that's a good point that's that's a good point so what do you know what spinosaurus is eight what do you what do you think spinosaurus is eight fish fish nice do you think they ate fish sticks did they put them in the oven and cook them or no (laughs) oh did they use a big fishing pole where they'd sit on the shore and cast out and catch fish oh Did they have like a net that they'd throw out in the water and catch a fish and eat? No. No, I didn't think so either. They'll use their mouth. Oh, they use their mouth. So they ate fish and mermaids and... No! Mermaids? (laughs) Well, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Yeah, you're correct. Mermaids are not real. (laughs) You're right. So do you think Spinosaurus could swim? Do you think he was a good swimmer? And what about the tail? You know, scientists used to think that their tails weren't wiggly like the tail of a crocodile. 
But now they think they are. Do you think they use their tail to help move through the water? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Have you ever seen like a, a skull of a Spinosaurus? Have you ever seen how big those things are? Nope. Oh, they're huge. They're absolutely huge. They're ginormous and their teeth are big. Their teeth are like super big. So Spinosaurus, I like. What about Tyrannosaurus Rex? Would you like to, like, if you could go back in time, would you like to see a T-Rex? Yes. That would be cool, wouldn't it? Yes. What? But but I would, but I would stay still if it, so it wouldn't eat me. I think that's a good plan. I would not be a one. I would not want to be around a T-Rex. Yeah, you could just stay still, and the T-Rex would be like, "There's nothing there." Yeah. Hey, I see something running over there. I'm gonna go get that. Nice. And he would look at your little brother and think he was a chicken nugget. So now you can call your little brother Nugget. <laughs> no. What's your brother's name? Asad. What is it? Asad. Asad, what a great name. I like Nugget better. His new name is Nugget. <laughs> Tell your mom and dad, uh, we just changed my brother's name to Nugget. <laughs> so have you ever seen... How big the teeth of a Tyrannosaurus is. Have you ever seen how big their teeth are? Banana. Yeah. What, you want a banana? You hungry, kid? No. Did you just look at your mom and go, uh, excuse me, banana? I'm hungry. <laughs> that is exactly correct. T-Rex's teeth were as big as a banana. Those those things are big. And you know what's amazing? When you look at it, Amina, the, the end of the tooth is not pointy like you might think. It's actually kind of round. T-Rex had such strong muscles in his jaw, he could actually crunch a bone. But if his teeth were real skinny, what do you think would happen to the tooth when it bit into a hard bone? Break. At a girl. There you go. So they don't want skinny, pointy teeth. They want round, thick teeth so they could chew through bone. Yeah, they don't want teeth like saber-toothed tiger. At a girl, nicely done. You are correct. They do not want teeth like that because they would break them off. And their teeth are, are made that way because one of their favorite foods was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And so they're... No! Oh, okay. Their favorite food was Triceratops sandwiches. Well, they... What's... What's a Triceratops sandwich? A Triceratops So he would catch a Triceratops and stick him on two pieces of bread and eat him for lunch. That's right. So do you think that like mom T-Rexes took care of their babies or do you think they made the babies go out and live by themselves when they were little? What do you think? I think they take care of the babies. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they, they have to because a baby T-Rex would have a hard time. Um, Can I tell you something? Sure. Uh, do you know how, uh, 
how a, a T-Rex laughs. <laughs> how does a T-Rex laugh? You'll get scared and run away. <laughs> uh, if I ever walked up to a T-Rex, he's like, <laughs> Oh, super loud. Oh, like this? I think that would be true. I wouldn't want to hear a T-Rex roaring at me. I would run like crazy. So what about some of the plant eaters? Now, I know you like the, the Spinosaurus and T-Rex the best. What about some of the plant eaters? Do you like them? Oh, I like Brachiosaurus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like Brachiosaurus a lot. Now, their necks are super long. Why do you think their necks are so long? To reach the trees? That a girl. Nicely done. That's right. That's very good. They could reach up into the trees. And also, they could look over your house and see what your neighbors are doing in the backyard. So th- No! <laughs> Why? <laughs> I've tried to teach you science, child. Why are you laughing? That's not what Okay. I think you're right. You may you may have caught me. What about uh, you mentioned triceratops? Do you like triceratops? Oh yeah. What do they use their horns for? Defense. Yeah, defense. And then also, when they would go camping, they could stick a marshmallow on it, and put it over the fire. No. <laughs> what? Okay, I think you're right. I don't think they did that. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I also like Diplodocus. Love Diplodocus. I love Diplodocus too. And they lived with with uh, Brachiosaurus, same place, and they probably saw each other all the time. But Brachiosaurus's neck was taller, so he could reach way up in the trees. Diplodocus' neck was longer. He could reach lower trees. But that would have been cool to see those dinosaurs. Um, I also like Allosaurus. My favorite dinosaur. <laughs> I love Allosaurus. I've always liked Allosaurus. What about Stegosaurus? Do you think that's kind of a cool dinosaur? Yep. Have you ever heard of Albertosaurus? Mm, yeah. Ah, do you know the podcast that you're going to be on? The <clears throat> feature creature is uh, uh, Albertosaurus. Ooh. Yeah, so we're going to be learning about Albertosaurus, which I like a lot. Acrocanthosaurus. Love Acrocanthosaurus. Now, I live in Texas, and we find lots of their footprints. So I've put my foot in the footprint of Acrocanthosauruses. So I love Acros, and they're big. Whoa. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, They wore really big tennis shoes, so they left these big footprints. No! <laughs> okay, I think you're right. Now let me ask you about your favorite big feet. <laughs> they did have big feet. What is tell me what is your favorite toy? Do you have a favorite dinosaur toy or toys? What are your favorites? Oh. Um, um well I like all of them, but my favorite is not a dinosaur. My favorite is Dimetrodon. Oh! I'm so proud of you. I mean, I'm so proud of you. Good job. Dimetrodon is not a dinosaur, but I like Dimetrodon too. What do you think? Do you think Dimetrodon and Spinosaurus look similar? Mm-hmm. 
no. Ah, uh, good job. What is that? Is that Brachiosaurus? Uh, I don't want to scare yeah. you, but a Brachiosaurus just walked right in front of the camera while you were talking. <laughs> I love Diplodocus. Oh, and that's... I thought those dinosaurs were giant. And a baby Brachiosaurus. Oh, coolest <laughs> thing in the world. I love that baby Brachiosaurus. Oh, there's that Dimetrodon. Yeah, he's cool. I like Dimetrodon a lot. Very much so. Well, those are kind of cool. Um, what other non-dinosaurs do you like? Do you like like the pterosaurs or any of the flyers or anything like that? I like Pteranodon and Quetzalcoatlus. Oh, Quetzalcoatlus is cool. And Pteranodon is awesome too. What do you think they did with that long skinny beak? What would they do with that? Catch fish? I think so. Plus, when they would go camping, they could put a marshmallow on the end of it and cook it over the fire. No! <laughs> what, what about hot dogs? They could put hot dogs on them and roast them over the no! fire. I'm just trying to teach you something, kid. I'm just trying to help. Hot dogs are not... They didn't exist. <laughs> well, of course they didn't exist because pteranodons ate them all. Hello? No! <laughs> they didn't exist! They were not around! Then they came around here! <laughs> oh, okay. I think you're right. I think you know more than me. You want to take my job? No! <laughs> you can... I'm just fine! Yeah, I thought you were going to drive a car for me. You're only five you're going to drive? Why did you offer to drive my car if you're only five? Oh, okay. Well, you know, I'm just trying to help. <laughs> what about books? Do you have dinosaur books at all? Yep. I have a giant book of dinosaurs and a little book of dinosaurs. Nice. That's very cool. I'm I'm glad. I, I have dinosaur books that I've probably read 50 or 60 times because I like them. Sometimes I open a book and I find a dinosaur that... And I eat. And I eat. And I read mm, paleontologist books. I thought you were only five. You can read? Yeah. No way. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Now, does your mom or your dad or your brother like dinosaurs too? Yep. That's good news. Have you ever gone to a museum to see any dinosaur bones? No, but we're going to Labrador No way. Now don't Next get week. don't get stuck when you go in there because I don't want to have to come dig you out. <laughs> we're going to the museum, not the tar pits. Oh well, the tar pits are next to the museum. Now you can't walk out because there's a fence around it, but you'll actually get to see the very spot. Where animals would walk out. See, what happens is water floats on top of the tar and it looks like a lake. And people that did, or animals that didn't know it would walk out into it and get stuck. When you get there, you're going to see, well, remember we just learned about the short-faced bear in the last meeting? You're going to see the skeleton of a short-faced bear. Did you ever hear the podcast on the dire wolf? Yeah. You're going to see the dire wolf. Um, Do you remember the one where Triceratops roasted marshmallows on its horn? Well, you're not going to see that. But everything else you're going to see. So- <laughs> <laughs> hey, and um, I-, I have a picture. No way. Let me see it. Hey, 
that is cool. Tell me what. Now, wait. Wait one minute. <laughs> you little stinker. Who is standing? Tell me what that picture is. And don't you tell me that's me or you're in big trouble, Missy. You, but you're doing your stink bombs. Well, I better have my stink bombs because there's no other way I can survive. <laughs> that is cool. Now, is that a Tyrannosaurus Rex and an Ankylosaurus? Oh, those are great. I love the colors you used. And I, I, put, and I put a hat on the ankylosaurus. <laughs> why did you put a hat on top of an ankylosaurus? <laughs> it looks like it looks like it's gonna it looks like it's gonna go Halloween uh, can't pick up some Halloween candy. Yep. <laughs> that is too I like that a lot. I like all your colors. I like how my stink bomb is coming out from underneath my arm, by the way. I see those little lines. What kind of a kid makes me get in front of a T-Rex? I'm going to be lunch. Flies on the top because they can smell your stink bomb. Right, so you even drew flies coming around my stink bomb underarms. That's just lovely, kid. <laughs> but they don't bite. Well, good. I hope they don't. Well, you're a very good artist. I've never had anybody ever draw flies coming up to my underarm. It's very thoughtful of you. Wow, thanks a lot, kid. <laughs> I like that drawing a lot. And look. Oh, look at that. For DG. I love you. Well, I love you too, Amina. And that's a very beautiful drawing. And I'm very proud thanks. of you. You're a very good artist. And do you see I put candy? I did see that candy, yeah course i wouldn't want to eat that candy since my stink arm got all over it but that's okay i don't no. want the, the t-rex ate the candy oh what's a t-rex doing eating candy i'm destroying you oh well, the that... t-rex ate the candy <laughs> that means t-rex is a candy vor no. okay well if you say it's a carnivore but I think it's I a just it, ate one candy. <laughs> well, that was good. I'm glad it's sharing. What did the ankylosaurus eat? Nothing? One candy, too. Good. Well, that's good. As long as they don't eat me, I'm fine with that. So, Amina, there are 112 countries all over the world that listen to this podcast. Is there anything you would like to say to the kids all over the world that are listening? Would you like to tell them hello, or what would you like to say to them? Hi. What a nice thing. Well, I'm sure kids all over the world just said hi back. I bet they said hello. I bet they had no idea that a five-year-old could drive a car and was going to drive me to a no. digging site. <laughs> I can read, not drive. And then they also learned that you said a triceratops makes marshmallows on its head. Well, somebody's teaching them that, and it can't be me. <laughs> yes. I can do math. No way. All right, I'm going to give you a test. What's two plus two? Four. No, it's 12. Can't believe you got that wrong. Let, <laughs> no, let, let, me, let me give you another one. What's one plus one? Two. Nope, it's seven. Okay, well, you failed the test, kid. I can't believe it. Okay, so you're smarter than me. You know math better than me. Uh, I think you're trying to take my job, kid. No. 
Well, then you can continue to be my assistant. Amina, I hope you like the the uh, Patreon club. I hope you're enjoying it. Yes. And I hope you liked uh, being interviewed and congratulations for being chosen. Did you, when you saw your name come up, did you get excited? Yeah, I saw that little clickers getting closer and closer and closer and doink. <laughs> Landed on you and I went, oh, great. Now that kid's going to draw a picture of my stink bomb coming out from under my arm. <laughs> <laughs> Amina, is there anything else you'd like to say or ask? I had some who would win. All right, let's hear them. Let's go. But some of them include you. <laughs> you wait one second, kid. You better not include me in any of them. All right, let's go. I do include you, but with your stink bombs. Okay, thank you for letting me have my stink bomb. I appreciate that. All right, who? What are your who because would win? Everyone, because everybody puts you in without your stink bombs. I know. How am I supposed to survive if I don't have a <laughs> weapon? That's why I put you with your stink bombs. Thank you. I throw Cantosaurus okay. versus Dinosaur George with his stink bombs. Whoa. Acrocanthosaurus is ginormous. That thing is huge. I, I don't know how I'm going to... Even with my deadly stink bombs, Acrocanthosaurus is giant. Hey, isn't that but, the dinosaur but, but that... You, but, you, but, you have, but you have a friend, Allosaurus, with you who has... Who has uh, stink bombs too? Oh, well, then nobody beats the Allosaurus Dino George stink bomb duo. We would be the winner. We would stink, but we would win. So we would win, and everybody would go, wow, those guys really smell bad. Hey, watch it. Those are stink bombs. I use them for my protection. All right, so I won that one. What's your next one? That was a good one. Um, <laughs> It doesn't include you. Good. But, but it does have. Uh, someone with stink bombs. Okay. <laughs> who? who? <laughs> Allosaurus versus... Uh, Velociraptor versus Allosaurus with stink bombs. Oh, well, the poor Velociraptor doesn't stand a chance. Especially if Allosaurus has a stink bomb weapon. Nothing <laughs> could beat that. Uh, the only thing that could beat an Allosaurus with stink bombs would be a Brachiosaurus who's holding his nose. Well, it, walking on its hands. Well, he could wear a hat. <laughs> no. Why not? You you said a Spinosaurus was going to wear a coat in the wintertime. Why can't my Brachiosaurus wear a hat? No. <laughs> oh, Amina, you are so much fun. Aminosaurus, you have been so much fun, and I hope you enjoyed doing this. This podcast will come out tonight so you'll be able to hear it very soon i hope you had a good time did you enjoy Thanks. yourself yep good well tell your mom and dad i said hello and say hi to the little chicken nugget for me no and remember when you go to the little bear tar pits don't crawl in the tar because i don't want to have to come dig you out later on child <laughs> i won't we're just going in the museum Okay. Have a good day, honey. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Well, all right, my friends. 
that is your podcast for today. I want to thank you all for listening. I hope everybody's staying safe. I hope everybody is doing well. Remember, practice your reading if you're young. Use good manners no matter what age you are. And be kind to people. Be nice to everyone. The world is such a great place, especially when you are kind. So be kind to everybody. If you're young, tell your mom or your dad or your grandma or your aunties or uncles or grandpa that you love them. And keep studying your dinosaurs. And I hope to talk to you all soon. I'm very sorry that I didn't have time to go to the Dinosaur George Facebook group to read all your posts, but I will do it on my next podcast, I promise. Until next time, everybody, take care, and I will see you soon. listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah. Yeah.